This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 120, Submission 388B, The Video Game Show, Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Well, we've covered some of the worst TV-based video games. And so, you know what? We decided we're going to cover some more crappy TV show-based video games on this podcast for you. Oh, yeah. These, we thought we had, we thought we had cre- creamed the, the cream of the crap last time. Wrong. Oh, no. We actually just barely scratched the surface. Some of these are just some of the games you're about to uh, hear about are really bad, and some of them are just holy crap! That was made into a video game. You'll see what we mean as we go on. Who wants to go first? Uh, I, you know, Greg, you always have so many good ideas. Why don't you go first? Okay. Well, the first game I want to cover is. Darkwing Duck on the TurboGrafx-16. Yeah. Darkwing Duck was on the TurboGrafx-16? All I remember is the NES version. Do tell. Yes, it is. It was on the TurboGrafx-16. It was made in 1992. And it was... I mean, this is probably an obscure TurboGrafx-16 game. Because what what was the peak of the TurboGrafx? Like, what? 89, 90, 91? 91. Yeah, by uh, 90- I'd, say, I'd say even earlier than that, maybe. But yeah, it, it was in, in the late '80s, early '90s. It was definitely before 1992. Yeah, it was, and at this time, the Turbo Graphics they were uh, the company that was producing at the time, which was uh, TTI, which stood for Turbo Technologies Incorporated. I think they were coming out with stuff like the Turbo Duo, which was like. A turbo, the Turbo Graphics and the tur- Turbo Graphics CD unit, all in one. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do remember that. I remember the Turbo Duo, the uh, the Turbo Graphics succeed the CD. I remember the Turbo Express. Yeah, I remember that. Th- those are all things that'll be covered on. It was a thing in the home arcade. Yeah. Okay. So the plot of this game. Okay, Steel Beak has gathered some of the most devious criminals in St. Cunard to help him take over the city. They're planning on building the ultimate crime weapon. The only clue that you have to their plan are pictures of the criminals looking at the stolen paintings. Jay Gander Hooter and the rest of Shush need Darkwing's help in bringing the criminals to justice. The objective of the game is to collect 12 puzzle pieces in the first three levels, 11 in the level, and one by beating the boss. You must then solve a moving puzzle and then go after Steelbeak. So the, the way this works is it's kind of like Mega Man style, where you can like pick and choose which villain you want to go after. So you have Tuscanini, Molarty, Megavolt, and then finally you get to Steelbeak at the end. So, yeah, this game is like terrible because it has like platforms that you just are like impossible to reach, and the hit detection is like terrible. 
and the enemies like respawn at a rapid rate. It's just oh, it's just so terrible to to navigate and get through. And it's like you can just easily die in this game. It's just so ridiculous. And not to mention the funny part of this game, if you've ever seen the angry video game nerds review of this game, like if you like Paul, if you like are idle for like, I don't know, like a minute or so, an anvil will randomly fall in this out of the sky and kill you. That's random. Yes. But yeah, this game is is very t- I, I I'll give it this game some credit. I do like the fact that it has like the Mega Man style where it's like a non-linear progression of the game, but no. This it's not the NES version which was featured in the uh the Disney Afternoon collection that came out on PS4 and Xbox 1 a couple of years ago. By the way, Capcom does phenomenal uh, versions of the Disney Afternoon video games, just yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, and those and are the, the games you should be playing. Yeah, this explains why this game was so terrible. It wasn't made by Capcom. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, Ducktales Remastered, Ducktales Reloaded, that's available for uh, most of the consoles right now. Pick yeah. that one up. That's a really good play. Yeah, because that was delisted a while back on um, uh, PS3, Xbox Live, and. Um... Uh, Steam, but now those are all back up again, I believe. Yeah, awesome stuff. Good, uh, it's a uh, good, good to spend your cyberpunk refund money on. Oh yeah, that date. This dates this show a lot, <laughs> just <laughs> a bit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I well I have an interesting game based on a cartoon series. Are you ready for this? Okay. Double Dragon Five: The Shadow Fall. Now, you're probably wondering, wait a minute, Double Dragon 5? There were five games based on? No. There were four games in the original series that was uh, developed by Technos Japan and published in the U.S. uh, by Trade West, which is now uh, Midway, if I'm not mistaken. Weren't some of those games also for the NES published by Acclaim? Yes, yes, Double Dragon... Double Dragon 2 and Double Dragon 3 were published by Acclaim. I know this because every time I watch WWF television on USA, whenever Lord Alfred Hayes would do the promotional consideration, he'd do Double Dragon 3, one of the the high-flying action here on the NES, go through multiple levels from Acclaim. Yep. And then then Trade West got the license back for Double Dragon, or for Super Double Dragon for the Super NES. And then, uh, and then around, I want to say 1995, no, 1994, I'm sorry. 1994, they, they develop a, a sort of a Saturday morning syndicated cartoon based on Double Dragon, and it was incredible. I mean, this was just awesome. It, it sort of built on the mythos of the video games with the, uh, with the Lee brothers, Billy on the side of good, Jimmy having to be coerced to the side of good after being Shadow Boss in Double Dragon 1. In case you haven't played Double Dragon 1. And if you haven't played Double Dragon 1, what's wrong with you? So that brings us to Double Dragon 5 The Shadow Falls. A mediocre game based on a really good TV show which is based on a really good video game. 
Double Dragon 5 uh, is, instead of being the beat-em-up that the first four Double Dragon games were, it was a Street Fighter 2 clone using the characters from the TV show. You had Billy Lee and Jimmy Lee, and the rest of the roster is basically uh, Big Bads of the Week. And uh, again, if you and SNES Drunk reviewed this on YouTube, he torched it, absolutely torched it. Now, uh, now, now the, uh, the 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 video game media they basically gave the the game mixed reviews because they liked the fact that it was an easy to pick up in the age of Street Fighter Two clones, and they liked the and they liked the uh, character sprites, in, but. Then it came out for the Jack because it was on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis first. Then it came out on the Jaguar, and it looked exactly the same. It was supposed to be a step up, and it looked exactly the same. Oh. And it played, and it played exactly the same. And um, what can I say except, yeah, they they tried to uh, market they they marketed this big time. And, um, well, well, I'll, I'll tell you right now, you could tell that, uh, Technos Japan did not have anything to do with this. That's why it only came out in Japan on the Jaguar after the American and European releases. Technos went in, te- Technos made their own version of a fifth Double Dragon series, or fifth Double Dragon, for uh, it would be actually based on the movie starring Scott Wolf and Mark the Chairman DeCascos. Oh, yeah, that and movie. Yeah, you know, that's gonna be on. That's gonna be on the the movie video game show. Uh, oh yeah, and also. <laughs> You know who play newsmen in the Double Dragon movie? News anchors in the Double Dragon movie? Who? You know? Okay. Are you ready for this? Okay. George Hamilton and Vanna White. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Wouldn't that be great, though? Yeah. That would, pretty, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be amazing. Yep. Surely Mike couldn't possibly top this. I probably can't, but, you know, I'm going to try. We could actually probably include most, if not all, versions of this game or of this TV show's adaptation. But I'm going to focus really on the, the first adaptation of it, which was back in 1990. Game Tech released the first video game version of The Price is Right. We could also include in this uh, the Ludia versions for like the DS and the Wii. And I, I think there was at least uh, another console or two that it was on. 360. It was, oh, yeah, it was on 360. But we're going to focus on the PC version. Well, it's PC and also Commodore 64. And I'm surprised that they actually even made Commodore 64 games as late as, as 1990. I thought that was sort of on the way out at the time. Well, well, Commodore 64 was very big overseas. Oh, yeah. 
and, and prices right is, is big overseas too but um well this game boy where should we start uh they did have a decent selection of games they had 17 games which again remember for uh being on a floppy disk uh one 0.44 megs to get 17 games on there with graphics and, and stuff like that is, is pretty amazing. And they had a lot of contemporary games from the day like bump, which, you know, you're not going to see bump nowadays because we, we can't do the bump. Uh, they had card game. Uh, they had credit card since retired danger price dice game, the grocery game, Hit Me, which has also since been retired, Pathfinder, Plinko, Range Game, Safe Crackers, but it's just called Safe Cracker, not Safe Crackers, and that's the least of their issues, Secret X and Take Two. Now, there are some games I didn't mention because they weren't given their true names. Now, I said Safe Cracker instead of Safe Crackers, but there was a game called Correct Price, and that was just one right price. They called it correct price. And uh, there was a, a game called golf. Boy, I wonder what game golf is supposed to represent. Hole in one. Go figure. Mm-hmm. And then there's a game called mountain climber. Boy, I wonder what game involves a mountain climber. And uh, Pathfinder. And then, as I said earlier, Pathfinder. Finder, albeit spelled path and finder, two separate words. I think it's one word on the show. Uh, and then uh, they had race game, but they called it pull the lever. So already we're off to a really bad start. Uh, not using the, the proper names for, uh, let's say, about uh, about a quarter to a third of their games. But that's like the least of the problems once you start playing the games. You could literally get anything at any time. Uh, for example, you might be playing uh, the, the, the pull the lever game, the race game, for a grocery item and a small prize and a, a, a bigger prize, a three-digit prize, and then a car. Boy, I wonder if that car is $8,000 or, or $75. I, I'm I'm really stumped, but on top of that, they would have uh, some of the games, uh, which are normally, uh, let's say, played for prizes worth a thousand or two thousand dollars. They might play it for cans of soup, or a package of floppy disks, or or something. It, it did it didn't necessarily make sense. Very bizarre. And very, and very random. I mean, you might be playing for uh, the golf game, the hole-in-one game, for you know, a, a, a can of SpaghettiOs when maybe a can of SpaghettiOs is one of the items that's being played for in the golf game. It, it's, it's feasible. I, I don't uh, remember ever seeing that happen, but uh, the, the main idea is that uh, you wouldn't be playing for the prize that's – uh, what you'd be playing for on the show. You wouldn't be playing a car game for a car. You might be playing a car game for a remote control car, or you might be playing a car game for, again, uh, a grocery item or a small prize or a dishwasher. Uh, you might be playing dice game, a four digit game, 
And at that time, it would have expanded to five digits because you know, most cars back then would have been in the $10,000 range and definitely more than uh, 6666 So you played dice game for a toaster. You'd play, yeah, I mean, I mean there, there was no rhyme or reason to what prize you're playing for. But even worse, there were times when you'd play a game like One Right Price uh, for two prizes, and the prizes shared the same price. Oh. So, and, and actually, there is an example if you... Uh, do a, a little bit of searching on the internet. Uh, there's a web page, uh, oddly enough, done by former Price is Right uh, employee, Scott Robinson. Hey, Scott, where he sort of poked holes at this and poked fun at it because uh, he was playing one right price and he was playing for, I forget what exactly, I think maybe it was like diskettes and maybe some costume jewelry. It wasn't a diamond ring or anything, but both uh, items had the price of $19. And, and the, the one right price was $19. And to make it weirder, he lost that game. What? He played one right price. Both pr- prizes had the same price, yet somehow, some way he lost. I wish I was joking. And uh, yeah, uh, pull the lever race game is uh, the same way. Uh, you could have two of the same price and you have to have the right, the proper right price on that item. Otherwise, you know, the other $19 is not, not going to work. You got to do this $19. It is bizarre as all get out. Uh, it's very flawed. But again, that's really it, it, the, the least of the worries. Also, the uh, they used they couldn't use name brands, so they used fake versions of them. And there are some really bad versions of of, of brand names in this game. Like instead of Emerson, Emerson, they used Emmer Daughter. Oh boy! I wish I was joking. Um. Yeah, it was that type of game. But also, uh, also the Showcase Showdown was called Spin the Wheel. It wasn't called Showcase Showdown. It was Spin the Wheel. And the showcases, they were called the Final Showcase Challenge. Again, don't ask. And the thing is, that, uh, the, the oddball items from uh, that I mentioned earlier where you might be playing for uh, a pack of gum or a toaster or a can opener that actually carried over to the final showcase challenge, 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 challenge where your showcase may end up being uh, l- like a recliner and uh, a can of soup and, and, uh, and a hockey puck or, or, well, maybe not a hockey puck, but you know, to three items you would never see on a showcase on Price is Right. No trips, no cars, no furniture. Uh, well, obviously there's a recliner, but they're not giving you like a, a room of furniture. They're giving, uh, they're, they want you to bid on a $500 recliner and a $1 can of soup and a $10 can opener. 
And, and it follows the same rules. So seriously, you might have uh, your opponent might be playing for, let's say, a car and a trip and uh, and a jukebox, while you may be playing for this recliner and the can of soup and the can opener. So the same rules apply. So, uh, yeah, they may be uh, like a thousand or two thousand dollars away from the actual retail price. Meanwhile, you've got this recliner and the cans of soup. And you might bid, you know, $500 and, oh, you won both showcases. Or, well, actually, I don't think you can win both showcases on this. But you win because you're only $11 away. Like, that's really fair. I, I mean, it's absolutely crazy. I will give them credit, though. Uh, Plinko at least plays realistically in terms of random left and right movement. Uh, but just, it, it was a... It was an adaptation I liked at the time, but it, it did not age that well. And you can find it. I believe it's actually on archive.org. Um, don't don't play it, please. I, I'm telling you this as a friend. Don't play it. It's absolutely horrible. One more thing I want to add regarding some of the pricing games. Like, for example, uh, if we're talking about a game like Plinko, they would ask you, okay, what's the right price of this item? Is it $15 or $25? So it isn't, you know, is this the first number or uh, is this the last number or whatnot? And I'm not even joking. There are some times in the game where the two different prices they give you vary by a dollar. Is this $15 or is this $16? Is this real life? What is that? I mean, that's a, a joke. Avoid at all costs. And really, and this may be on the third installment of the video game show, if we ever do one, the Ludia games are pretty bad in their own right. But with that, I'm going to throw it to Chico, and he's got another game he wants to talk about. Okay. You know, it's my background, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The uh, the evil owner of the roller games. Uh, the, uh, I shouldn't say evil. I should say angry and evil. The angry and evil owner of the roller games. Now, when you put uh, roller games to a video game, you have an expectation. The expectation is roller derby as a video game. And it's been but- done well. It has been it has been done exceptionally well, both as an arcade game and as a pinball machine. You you played the pinball for roller games, right? I played it in Vin Pin Mame. Right. Oh, I almost I almost bought it like th- uh, four, four years ago. Yeah, yeah. And with any luck, hopefully Zen Studios adapts it for uh, Zen for Pinball FX three. Yeah. Well. Well, the arcade game is incredibly faithful to the franchise. The pinball game is a great homage. The NES version is neither of these things. Yeah, because the, yeah, because it's not even about roller games. The NES version is Double Dragon on roller skates. And I, I even have the, uh, I even have the uh, description here. 
The NES version is a side-scrolling platform game that employs the likenesses of people used in the television show, but has nothing to do with the sport itself. Instead, a mysterious, anonymous alien enemy assists the three teams of the Eastern Empire, the Violators, Maniacs, and Bad Attitude, and their managers, Skull, John Guru Drew, and Ms. Georgia Haas! Oh, Georgia Haas! in a plot to sabotage the sport and hold Bill Griffiths hostage. The game begins with announcers Chuck Underwood and David Sams commenting about the commissioner, Griffiths, being taken hostage by the three rough teams and he can only be rescued by the Western Alliance, T-Birds, Hot Flash, and Rockers. So you can play as Robert Smith, uh, Robert Icebox Smith of the T-Birds, Mickey Sly Fox McEwen of Hot Flash, and Mike the California Kid Blanagan. But yeah, you're basically, it's basically a beat-em-up, and it cultivates in a boss fight with Ms. Georgia Haas, Guru Drew, or Skull. And if you beat it, first of all, you're a better gamer than I am, and second of all, you get a congratulatory message from Wally George. All of this will make sense when we actually cover roller games next year. Yes, sometime in May next year. And if you've been watching roller games on Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2, which they've shown plenty of episodes when the uh, pandemic first started, oh my goodness. Oh, they I, just showed an episode, a couple of episodes within the last couple of days as we're recording this. So it wasn't just during the beginning of the pandemic. It's still going on now. On FS1? Uh, on FS1, I believe, yes. Okay. I haven't checked FS1 in a while. Neither since, have I. Then sports why, came back. Like, why, would I, why would I watch? Oh, yeah. Well, why would I watch FS1 in general? I don't want to watch friggin' uh, Skip Bayless and Clay Travis and all those other clowns on that channel. Like, I don't want to watch uh, a bunch of people. You know what? FS1 was not the same when, when Jay, Jay and Dan left. Yeah, when Jay and Dan left, yeah, I was like, no, that's it. Then and it and just, we know that it love became a louder, paunchier version of ESPN. No. And, and we know Levitard's going there soon enough. No! Well, well where's he going to go outside of ESPN? NBC. NBC. Maybe NBC or CBS. Valid points. And oh, trust me, I'd rather you know what? I'd rather have him on CBS because then hopefully you'd probably replace Adam Shine, which I'd be so happy about. Yep. Oh, don't get me started on Adam Shine. He oh, sucks. God. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, <laughs> and oh, segueing into that. We go into ABC Monday Night Football on Super NES. Oh God! Now, Mike, I I believe you've you had a version of ABC Monday Night Football back in the day for the PC for IBM, which included, I believe, a videotape. Yeah, the videotape was the best part, actually. Yeah. Yeah, 20 years of Monday Night Football, which, by the way, is an entry of itself. So, oh, yeah, yeah, there is, it's a very cool video, and I think it's worth more than the game itself. It's, 
uh, definitely worth seeing. And I think it is on uh, YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. So if you want to watch it, go search ABC Monday Night Football 20th Anniversary VHS tape. And also, speaking of shows that had great pinball machines, Data East, I believe, made a Monday Night Football pinball machine. Oh, yeah. Uh, Data East was, for a while, making really great pinball machines. Uh, I believe uh, the Monday Night Football table came out around the same time that the Simpsons table came out. The first Simpsons table came out. Yeah, not the stern one. But I I also believe that that pinball uh, machine was also featured in one of the openings from Monday Night Football around 89. Uh, well, uh, that would have been uh, uh, before the Simpsons. But yeah, I think there was a Monday Night Football machine maybe released around 87 or so, 87, 88. But yeah, oh, that Monday Night Football pinball machine... As much as maybe we ranted and raved about the roller games machine, I loved the Monday Night Football machine. That was a great game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the ABC and Data East helmets colliding. Yes. Oh, yes! Yeah, and you have Frank Gifford's, the digitized voice of Frank Gifford right there. You know you love it. Yeah. And then you have, like, Frank Gifford on the screen right there. But, okay, here's the thing, though. This game, no NFL license, no NFL PA license. I I believe there's no NFL PA license on this game, too. I can be wrong on that, but there's no NFL license. By this this time, uh, the only uh, Super Nintendo game with with both an NFL PA and an NFL license would be Tecmo Super Bowl, and which Madden. was a really good. Well, it wasn't on Super Nintendo yet, but it would be. Well, they started making Madden on Super Nintendo around '92, but they didn't actually. They had an NFL PA license, but they didn't actually get an NFL license until the '94 version. They had to buy it off a of Tecmo. Yeah. By the way. Tecmo Super Bowl, for my money, is still the superior football game on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, but okay. Don't at me. Okay, but if you watch, if you watch right here, and I'm scared sharing the screen with the gameplay. Watch, all right. There, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> he just takes a dive right there. It's like oh. the players are like hard to control. They're hard to navigate. And then watch, if you, whenever you hit somebody, look at that. Oh, he just went flying. He goes flying. When you tackle him from the front, he's like, ooh, like he's got shot or something. And also, for some reason, there's a Gatorade. They had like, um, hey, all of the all of this ABC goodness is not free. No, they got product placement in this game for Gatorade. They have like a Gatorade logo in the middle of the field. But remember, uh, yeah, this was not uh, product placement in a video game was uh, not a common thing. I mean, in the early 90s, I could only think of two games that had product placement. and That would be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game with the Pizza Hut license or the Pizza Hut logo all over the place and uh, Super Off-Road for the Super Nintendo with the tra- with the uh, enhanced track pack. And Toyota music all over the place. For uh, 
one one instance I can remember is Magic Johnson's fast break for NES had Pepsi. Ah. Because Magic Johnson was sponsored by Pepsi. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it is it's very there's like these weird ass Tecmo fish cutscenes where like you're trying to throw a ball and it's like you're trying to outpower like a defender or someone's trying to tackle you. So it becomes like a quick button mashing thing. Yeah. And it's like, it, hor- it, it looks like something straight out of NFL films, except not really. Yeah. I guess you can see what they were trying to do. They were kind of like inspired by techno. They were, yeah, they were trying to turn up, but they're trying to make the ultimate football simulation, including cutscenes. Yeah, and then look at this animation of the fans. They're jumping! You can tell they're excited because they're jumping. It's yes. three frames of jumping. Three flames of jumping. Hey, yeah. that's three more. Hey, that's that's still three more frames that Al Michaels got. <laughs> now, I think Al Michaels got two frames. Or, or rather, Frank Gifford, he got two frames. Yeah. And then also at the end of the game, it's like, as something realistic, if you're playing regular season mode, you have like stats of like all the other games, like quick scores that Frank Gifford gives. And like, look at this one screen on the score right here. Like 16 this of 41. Yep. I'm sure that's a scoregami. That's a scoregami. You better believe it. <laughs> scoregami. Take a drink. Yeah. But also. Wait, wait, Anaheim had a team? Well, no, because this is, I, as I said, because this is not licensed by the NFL. You have instead. No, I of, get that. But so, so instead of the so the Jets are New York in this game. The Giants are in New Jersey. So it also for the Raiders, they're Los Angeles and the Rams are Anaheim. Because remember, the Rams around this time were playing in, in the Big A. Yep. Yeah, Before, good point. Yep. But I mean, come on. If you wanted to play a Super Nintendo football game, you had better options. You had Madden. You had Tecmo Super Bowl. And also, I'm going to say this right now. Pretty underrated football game. It's a Madden clone, but it's pretty good. Sterling Sharp had his own football game for the Super Nintendo from Jalico called Sterling Sharp End to End. I have the game, as a matter of fact, right here. I recently got this for like 20 bucks. If you can find this game somewhere, I highly recommend this because this is a fun Madden clone. Yeah, if it's anything like Basis Loaded, isn't that just Sterling Sharp's uh, name and like name image and likeness on a Japanese version of the game? Something like that. Kind of like how Ryan Sandberg's on Super Bases Loaded. Yeah. J- uh, Super Japan Pro Baseball or something like that. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mike? Oh, it's my turn again. Okay. Yeah, it's your turn again. Well, this time, I actually uh, am going to talk about a game that, believe it or not, the show it's based on is a future entry. What? Now, that, that's kind of well. Well, well, roller games is a future entry, but also, uh, how many times do we actually get a video game or game adaptation? of a show that is short-lived. Never. Not very very often. 
Unless you count that one time somebody tried to make a video game ba- based on the master. Okay, you're right. Uh, by the well, way, I'm putting that. By the way, if that isn't on the list already, I'm going to put it there. All right. While you do that, I'm going to talk about again future installment, but also video game Family Dog. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yes, the, there there was an SNES version of Family Dog, or a, a an SNES game based on Family Dog, which. Man, I, I'm like uh, having uh, PTSD right now because the last time I played it, I had no idea what was going on. And even after watching a video uh, before we started recording the show, I still really don't have an idea as to what's going on. Uh, it was a platformer of sorts, and it was a simulation kind of sort of of a life uh, in, in a, I want to say in a dog's eyes, but it was like a platformer where the dog just lived a day, a day in the life. He uh, got treats, fetched balls. And like I said, when I originally played this, I couldn't make heads or tails out of it. Uh, it does, and I do have it for the, the uh, SNES. I actually found a copy of the game a couple of years ago. And yeah, and I actually paid hard-earned money for it. This was developed by Absolute Entertainment. Yes, Absolute Entertainment. You heard me. And it, published by, and it is published by Malibu Games. Yes, that Malibu Games. So you, you knew it was coming from a great organization. It wasn't coming from Acclaim. And it wasn't coming from you know, one of the big houses. It wasn't an EA game, a non-EA sports game. It was coming from Malibu Games, but it was still good enough to get the Nintendo seal of approval. Malibu Games, I bet no relation to Malibu Comics. No, and I bet you no uh, relation to Malibu, who was on uh, the first season of American Gladiators. Oh, yeah. But but we'll talk about him later. It it was supposed to be, as I said earlier, a a day in the life of a dog. It's it's almost like an interactive sort of uh almost uh, the best way i can sort of describe it is maybe like a nintendo dogs like like a um uh a digital version of actually having a real dog where you got to walk it and and let it go to the bathroom and and feed it and whatnot or else it'll die almost like a tamagotchi oh that that yeah but this was more like i said like a platformer and there were so many things wrong with this game. Uh, first off, the control inputs, when we're talking about pressing left or right or up or down on the uh, directional pad or uh, hitting one of the buttons, it didn't always register. Whoops. So that's kind of faulty. Yeah, that's kind of faulty right there. But then to make it worse, uh, a little bit of, um, let, let's say, bad physics. Uh, in terms of if you uh, ran with a running start, you would go the same height as if you just stood there and jumped. So when you could jump, it didn't matter if you had a running start. and Because uh, obviously, if you know games like Mario, uh, if you uh, press the B button down and run fast and then jump, you go higher. Yeah. No, in, in this case, 
the dog jumps the same height, whether you have a running start or if you're just standing still. A little bit of a flaw there. Uh, and actually, if you want extra height in the game, uh, the game expects you to come to a full stop, hold up on the D-pad, then jump. Does that sound intuitive? No, I don't no. think so. Yeah, they want you to come to a full stop, hold up on the D-pad, and then jump. That that makes no sense compared to like every other game where you increase your speed by hitting like a turbo button or a fast button, and then jump, and then oh look at that! While you're jumping, you know, high uh, further, you're uh, you're also uh, jumping higher. I don't get it, but that's actually like the the least of my issues. Second is, uh, again, I played the game. I couldn't get past the first level because I had no frigging idea what I was doing. Uh, But also on top of that is maybe some of the most annoying music you'll ever hear in a video game. Oh, oh my gosh. I I heard it today. And again, it brought back bad memories. Uh, But also on top of that, and there is a run through uh, on YouTube of Family Dog and unless I'm totally off, that run-through may be for the entire game. And the run-through, I'm not even joking, lasted 15 minutes. F- 15 minutes. Video game, 15 minutes. Not a lot of meat on the potato. And uh, obviously it was rushed because Family Dog, how long was it on the air? It was on the air for about five weeks, a month. And they created a video game out of it? Yeah, I mean, they were trying to cash in on a show that really wasn't all that good to begin with. But again, when we get to Family Dog, we'll talk about that further. But yeah, this video game is one... And the only reason I picked it up and the only reason I brought it on this episode is I did see it in a, uh, a Blockbuster video. Again, we mentioned Blockbuster. I saw it maybe in 1994 and it's like, oh my gosh, that's the, the TV show that was on for like the, like 10 episodes or eight episodes last year. I remember like seeing it. I, I had heard of it, but it's like, yeah, I, they created a video game out of this and it's, it's just an absolutely horrible video game. And yeah, there are only three worlds in this game. There's, Inside the house, which is where you start, in the pound, and then in the woods. And then once you get through those boards, boom, you're done. 15 minutes on YouTube. That was the whole game? That was the whole game. Yeah, that's why I said I had to double check the video to make sure that it wasn't, uh, that I, I didn't cut it off short or something. Uh, no, they, they uh, showed him at the end after he got out of the woods, the dog got out of the woods. He jumped in his uh, in the child's hands, the, the, uh, the child of the family. And th- the child in this game is ultra creepy. Number one, he looks like Chucky, the doll. Oh, boy. But also, but also two, looking at how he acts or treats the dog sometimes, he treats him like Chucky too, probably. He doesn't treat him like a a, a regular kid would. Man, oh, I'm glad I got this game just for the sole reason that, you know, this may be the shortest uh, run show in TV history that was made into 
a video game, a board game, some sort of, uh, of game. Uh, and actually, I'm going to take that back because there was an identity board game. And I think identity ran less than uh, than 10 episodes. And if it didn't, it didn't run many more than 10 episodes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- this is a stinker of a game. I figure it's got to be semi-rare because, you know, who would actually buy this video game from this TV show that lasted a month? And But, but it's out there. Uh, like I said, I found it uh, at a uh, local uh, CD and, and uh, video game exchange place. So if I can find it, you can find it. But I know that, that uh, we still have even more bad games to go. And Pico, I think, has another one lined up. I do, and this isn't so much a bad game as it is a game that you look at it and you say, okay, that was a game, and it was loosely based, are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. On the 1960s uh, British spy era series, The Prisoner. Oh, The Prisoner, a very popular cult TV show from back in the day. Very popular cult TV show from back in the day. Uh, it was actually one of the very first uh, video game based on a TV show, which isn't really even uh, officially sanctioned. This was just here's a oh. guy. This was just some guy in his flat in England. It's like, oh, I'm going to program a game based on the prisoner. I mean, you could do that back then. No one would. No one cared. Yep, it, and and the thing of the uh, thing about this game, it was such a mind blank. It was such a mind f star star k that the CIA reportedly used this game as a training tool. What? That's what I said. I was like, really, really. Okay, now, because this is an unofficial version of The Prisoner, I have to be about as vague as possible here. You are an intelligence agent who has resigned from his jobs for reasons known only to himself, and you have been abducted to, abducted to an isolated island community called The Village. Not The Island, The Village. Yeah, that's another movie with <laughs> Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. And the village's authorities will use any means, including coercion, disorientation, deception, and frustration to learn why the prisoner has resigned. And every character, location, and apparent escape route seems to be part of a grand scheme to trick the player into revealing a code number representing the prisoner's reason for resigning up to, get this, up to and including a simulated system failure on the Apple II's part. Oh my gosh! This game was something else. This this game definitely was a mind F blank blank K. Dang. Yep. And and you're not and you don't play as number six. You just play as number. And, and 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 the thing of it is, this is perhaps the most meta game that ever came out on an Apple P an, an Apple computer. 
because it says it 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 makes uh it makes so many references to this being a computer game that it is almost to the point of it is being meta. And the thing of it is, they actually made a sequel of this game in 1982, which replaced the top-down perspective with a with a first-person perspective, and improves the graphics and the and the colors. And of course, it wouldn't be a video game without an Easter egg or two, and this is a pretty cool one. Bill Budge, the creator of Pinball Construction Set, is name-checked in a headline that says, Zoning Commission will not budge to allow pinball in bars. So yeah, it's like, it's not a bad game, it's just a, holy crap, this game existed. Yep. That's something else. Oh yeah. Well, this was the wild west of video games. You could do anything back then. You totally could. You could. You could do so many. You could do so many. You could. You could create a Doctor Who based video game, and nobody can stop you. Until, of course, the BBC gets word of it and has its lawyers send the smackdown on you. I don't want to be messing with the BBC. Don't mess with their lawyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, hey, Greg, yeah. see if you can top that. See if you can top that. Well, I'm going to top that. Oh, you're going to top this? I'm going to top that. All right. I'm going to top it. Brother! Oh, that's, boy. That's right, folks. I'm talking about, and we talk about future entries. I'm talking about another video game based on a future entry. Thunder in Paradise on CDI. What? That's right, folks. The <laughs> this game was released not just on the Philips CDI. It was released on MS-DOS. And obviously, this is based on the TV series with the same title, as this game is a playable version of a two-part episode called The Major and the Minor. And video footage for the game, according to Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, was filmed at the same time as the episode itself. So the episode's plot is divided into three events called Encounters. In the first encounter, called the Thunder Encounter, the player controls Thunders. Oh, by the way, Thunder is the name of the... of uh, Thunder's Hulk, the boat. Yeah, Hulk Hogan, Chris Levin's boat. The player controls Thunder's powerful weapons to destroy as many threats to the boat as possible. This section of the game is somewhat like the arcade shooter Paratrooper. In the second part of the game called Island Encounter, this is very similar to other games like Mad Dog McCree in which the player must shoot the enemies before they shoot the player. There are two ways to experience Thunder in Paradise. The first mode is called Interactive Television, which lets you play as the role of Zack in the show. Now, Zack in the episode is played by Brandon Call. Best known as JT from Step by Step. So you're basically JT from Step by Step. Oh my god, are you... stop stop. Stop. No, we want to play the other one. 
Spence and Brew ask him for help by playing three game encounters. The better the player performs in the game encounter, the more bonus will carry forward to the next encounter. Quote-unquote game only allows the player to choose one of the three quote-unquote game encounters. But yeah. Oh, and the fun fact. After seeing the pilot for Thunder in Paradise, the game's director, Robert Weaver, pitched a storyline to producer Michael Burke and the footage for both the series episode and the game were filmed over 10 to 12 days using a 34-page linear script for the episode and a 134-page CDI script. Hey, it takes a lot to make a video game like that. It took 100 additional pages just for the game portion. And oh, the best part, hold on a second. And I remember, Mike, you commented about this. Hold on. Let me just the the credits. Oh boy. Yeah, Jim the Anvil Nighthorse credit. James Henry. He's credited as his James Henry Nighthorse, playing the role of Norman. That is so great. Oh, and look at the Russ Wheeler as the voice of Thunder. Uh, oh, oh, I like I like this. Trelawney, Kiki Shepherd. Y'all yep. know Kiki. Y'all know Kiki Shepherd. Y'all she's no, know. She's no Kiki Palmer. And also, oh, this is so great. Jimmy Hart playing the role of Jimmy. Yep, the mouth of the set. Who else would the mouth of the set play? But a guy named Jimmy. It's like Tony Danza playing just characters named Tony. I I just want to want I just hope that at some point in the game Jimmy Hart has that megaphone shouting instructions to the player. Turn around, guy! Shoot over here! Shoot over there! Come on, baby! Come on, baby! Get through this side side through the lagoon! Come on, baby! Oh my gosh. No, I can't top that. I'm not even going to try topping that. I'm just going to go right into... This is actually like like a three-game installment. And you're saying, well, why is it three games? Well, uh, they share a common bond. uh, And uh, the three games I'm talking about are Jeopardy for the NES, Jeopardy for the SNES, and Family Feud for the SNES. Well, uh, first off, the, the Jeopardy games, as you may expect, they're a slog to get through. They take some time to play because you need to type in your answers. Uh, but that's not the reason that I'm criticizing this game. This really isn't a criticism. This creates some amazing results. In the games, uh, the Jeopardy game for the NES and the SNES and Family Feud for the SNES, if you just have the letters in the right order in the answer, it'll give you credit. So what I mean by that, and we actually found this out uh, myself and a, a couple of, uh, of buddies, we, we were doing, uh, I think it was a, uh, an extra life stream um, maybe about two years ago. And uh, somebody, I, I forget what the, the, the answer was, but they just typed in, uh, I think it was like, uh, Joseph Stalin 
or or or, or uh, Vladimir Lenin, and he was given credit for the correct answer. It must have been Vladimir Lenin, uh, because the answer was men, M E N. And if you look at Vladimir Lenin, you have an M, then you have the E N in Lenin. So it, it it took the answer Vladimir Lenin as correct for men. So we have exploited this feature uh, in Jeopardy games and in Family Feud games uh, quite hilariously, uh, maybe a little offensively in terms of uh, yeah, hiding the answer within the, the string of letters. So uh, like, let's say, for instance, uh, let's say the question was, name a breed of dog, and let's say the answer is poodle, uh, or one of the answers is poodle. If you type in uh, pooped in the uh, latrine, you have P-O-O-D-L-E in order in that string, and it'll go ding, pooped in a latrine. Well, not pooped in a latrine, but it'll go poodle, you know, five points or whatever it would be worth. It is hilarious what you could do with that, but also at the same time, big time flaw. And I'm sure if you look for different video game streams on YouTube and on Twitch, you can find people. And again, I've taken part in uh, one such stream within the last like two or three weeks. It gets darn funny depending on who's running the game. Uh, And you're not really even playing the game at that point. You're playing for laughs. Because, you know, who would really think, you know, pooped in a latrine is, is a, a correct answer for name a breed of dog. So, it, 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 and the thing is, I will tell you from my experience, the last time I played, if you have another answer in there, I think it chooses the other answer because one question, or maybe it, it chooses the first answer that's completed. Uh, because uh, one of the... Um, the, the, the question that I was asked was name a game played on a table. And I told my friend, I wanted uh, the answer I wanted was pool. And so he put in uh, again, I think he put in, you know, pooped on my chest or something like that, or, or something related to that. Oh, boy. And, and uh, well, there's a little bit more because obviously it's P O O L and there's no L and pooped on my chest or something like that. But the answer came up on the game, uh, this is during Fast Money, as chess, C-H-E-S-S, not pool. And I even mentioned to uh, my friend, I said, yeah, I did say pool, not chess. And he's like, nothing I could do about that. And I think it's because I finished the word, or not necessarily I finished the word. I think it's because the person who typed in the word uh, during this joke answer, the word chess was finished before the word pool. So it can backfire if you're aiming for a really good answer, but somehow within your answer is a moderately less, uh, 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 moderately worse answer. Uh, so, but also at the same time, that can produce uh, some interesting results too. Uh, it didn't make a difference. It was during Fast Money, we won the 200 and, and yay, but um, that's if you can find videos of that again people have exploited again people have exploited that feature or bug to hilarious results and that's actually the only way we play jeopardy and family feud for those systems from uh 
since we found out about it because it makes the game a hell of a lot funnier. <laughs> well, I think that's it. I think we've done our nine games for this round. Yeah, I was going to throw in the tenth and press your luck, but the bit about prices right and Ludia pretty much covered it. So, oh, there's more to say about that, but that may have to say, uh, but that may have to be saved for the third installment of it was a video game based on yeah. a TV show. Yeah. So that may be that may be coming down the pike. Maybe next Christmas. That might not be a bad idea. Make, make this sort of our uh, Christmas tradition. Besides uh, doing deep dives like the one that we're going to be doing on uh, this Thursday, but also like how every Thanksgiving we cover uh, a Thanksgiving parade from thirty what thirty six years ago. Yeah. So w- w- wait till Thanksgiving twenty twenty one, guys, because you're getting the nineteen eighty five Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, and you're, you're also going to be you're also going to be getting something else that week. Oh no! Don't give it away! Oh. Don't give it away! Don't oh, give it's away. oh, it's glorious. I but yeah, it. oh yes, but yeah, like I said, uh, coming up on uh, this coming Thursday is our little Christmas gift to you, which uh, it's not going to be as uh, as surprising as Charles Styles Mystery Diners. <laughs> it might be as long, if not longer than that. It's it's going pretty deep into uh, something everybody's heard of, something that happened. Uh, very recently and yes uh at least greg and and chico plan on talking about it for longer than like an hour and 45 minutes i don't know how much i'll be able to contribute but i'll definitely have some stuff to say about it oh we have oh we have so much to say about it yeah uh but until that time it's time to hit the power button on our game console And thank you for uh, listening to this installment of It Was a Thing on TV. And we'll be back the day before Christmas, the 24th, with this very special episode. Row! ABC Monday Night Football. Football. 